Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. BenSound.com. Welcome, everyone, to today's Earth Energy Forecast Show on this Tuesday, September 17, 2019. Thank you for joining us today, or if you're listening later in the podcast. I am your host, Joan Serio. Today's show is perfectly timed with the bombing of the oil wells in Saudi Arabia. We are too dependent on fossil fuels, and today's show is about alternative energy sources to these polluting fuels. Today's guest, Gene Manning, is an award-winning writer who has chronicled the lives of inventors of energy breakthroughs around the world for over 30 years. She lives in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada with her daughter, granddaughter, and a big backyard veggie garden. Jean's previous books are published in more than 10 countries. Her forthcoming book, Hidden Energy, Tesla-Inspired Inventors and a Mindful Path to Energy Abundance, co-authored with Susan Mainwich of Massachusetts, will be published in October 2019, next month. They can be contacted via their website, hiddenenergy.org. Welcome to the show, Jean. Thank you, Joan. I'm looking forward to this. So am I, and this is so timely, and uh, I've been wanting to bring someone on the show to talk about alternative energy sources, and so glad that you could join us today. So you've researched this topic for over 30 years. How did you become interested in this topic? Well, I was thinking about that. It all boils down to my connection with nature because I was fortunate to be born near uh, woods and uh, in Alaska, and, and my school years were spent on a farm in uh, northern Idaho. Again, go play in the woods and, and uh, breathe the air, the vitality of air that's uh, not polluted, and see the uh, vortexian movements in, in the streams that I played beside, the waters. Uh, I really relate to water a lot, and I really enjoyed your, your show, by the way, with your friend, um, with that, Jane. Uh, Jane, yes. Uh-huh. Jane, Jane Reading, yes. Yeah, so that's, that's the basis of what actually sparked my interest in really becoming passionate about the topic, because I know that over the years, uh, in various places around the world, I'm sure other journalists 
had encountered the uh, inventions that actually worked in prototype form to uh, tap into a previously unrecognized source of energy. But um, it, there's such a um, prejudice against it. Um, it's all been marginalized and swept away in the corner and called fringe science that um, nobody really took it on as writing books for the general public. And I knew as, as a journalist that I write for the general public well, tell the people's stories truthfully and, and uh, conscientiously and uh, in, a, in a manner that's really readable. And so at first I thought that this is just a fascinating field because I I love the stories, but yet I don't know for sure at, at that time. I didn't hadn't really seen operating um, over unity in, inventions, which I'll explain uh, that term later. Um, but at the beginning, I just thought there's a lot of drama here. <laughs> uh, I'll just tell about this fascinating field that's going around in the kind of like energy underground around the world. But then over the years, I, I have seen um, prototype inventions that work as promised, and my passion for the environment really kicks in when um, I realize that my children could be facing a better future than, than um, the current predictions. And I, the clean air and clean water are so important to their future that... Um, and, and also, um, a healthy economy is so important. And there's so many aspects of the non-conventional energy technologies that could be discussed in all these political forums right now, could be in the news uh, to counter all this focus on the Middle East as, as uh, such a super important, um, crucial supply source to our future, which is not true at all. It's not necessary to be burning fossil fuels. It's just not necessary. It's not necessary to be talking about building nuclear fission power plants either. Um, these inventions are not far into the future. They're ready to be developed now, and it will, it will just take millions to um, develop a certain invention rather than billions that these other oil-based solutions are, are costing society. So there's just a, a whole wealth of, of um, topics to, to cover once, once this topic comes out, the main topic comes out into the open and no longer hidden by uh, being ignored. It's, an, it's a crazy time, but exciting. Yes. Why do you think, like Nikola Tesla and others that have worked with free energy, why do you think that technology has been so hidden up till now? Well, follow the money and uh, the huge profits that are made by keeping us uh, dependent on the utility companies and um, the oil pipelines. It's... Um, really a vested interest that's uh, had 100 years to gain strength and to um, gain powerful inroads into the media on controlling the narrative that politicians speak about and don't speak about, and even um, what academics are going to look into or not look into. 
uh, when it's a career killer to um, go and watch a, a demonstration of a magnetic motor that's uh, putting out apparently um, apparently violating the laws of physics, but actually not, then they're not going to go there. And if, if the um, inventors don't have an ability to get any sort of uh, endorsement from the local university, um, they can't get funding, they can't get investors interested if, if the investors go to the local university and are told, oh, that stuff's impossible, I won't even look at it. Um, so it's really a, an entrenched, um, many decades long situation. Um, and uh, to the credit of the universities, uh, they have to be more conservative, they have to be careful because there certainly have been um, inventors who were mistaken about what they thought they had and, and uh, very sincere but uh, deluded. So there have been those instances in the past in which uh, anybody who um, invested their time and attention and money in inventions who inventors who were uh, mistaken um, got burned. So there were lots of instances of that, but the fact that the uh, anomalies were not even not even explored by uh, mainstream science just kept it in the fringe. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done now to um, look into the various questions that uh, still remain. I mean, you have inventions that or seem to mysteriously work, but I'm sure it, it wouldn't take long with a, a, a really um, well-funded research effort to come come up with an understanding, the theories, the explanations, the uh, what's going on in the materials. Uh, you know, are there there are there miniature uh, magnetic whirlwinds going on at a nano uh, scale, or you know, get these questions answered. Mm-hmm and acknowledged in science journals, the world will be quite different and and really a lot more um, shining future vistas uh, will appear. Let's talk a little bit about what this real energy is that connects all of life, as you say. And there's a lot of different terms for it. What is that energy and, and how are they harnessing it? Okay, as to what it is, um, that is something that needs to be nailed better. So that's why there are um, so many terms there, ranging from um, really discounted um, terminology such as ether, which a lot of the um, the um, dissident scientists are actually returning to because it, it uh, really explains it is is a better terminology than zero point energy in, in terms of picturing a background energy of the universe that everything lives and has its being in and and is, supports all life at at right down to the atomic level um creates the jiggling that goes on at at that scale that's called zero point which means that uh at zero degrees kelvin all motion supposedly sees it, it would be extreme cold, it's as cold as get, things get, but even at zero degrees Kelvin, 
uh, there is still some some motion um, at the atomic level. Um, so, but but that that motion may be may be just a symptom of something more primal underlying it, um, and so the, the the tiny little emotions themselves um, are not as um, powerful an image, uh, a description, as um, the underlying background energy of the universe that's described by the um, leading edge, bleeding edge scientists like Dr. Paul LaViolette um, mm-hmm. and, and others who had the courage to investigate anomalies and say, well, this isn't explained by the mainstream, mainstream model of how the universe works, so we don't have the explanation, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking at the uh, questions and uh, do the experiments that, that, that create these anomalies. So there is a range of expressions. I really like the term the life force. Uh, the scientist, Dr. Wilhelm Reich, called it orgone, and that has been ridiculed so much that I, I really don't use it, but I, I, I like the sense of what his experiments revealed, which is super important to our understanding of climate uh, um, weather, is that there, there are flows of life force energy in the atmosphere, and um, some things that we as humans are doing um, irritate or block or, um, or I mean, cause stagnation in that life force energy. That that's the uh, conclusion of Wilhelm Reich's experiments. Um, and if if that were investigated more per, uh, completely, we might have uh, more understanding of what the um, emissions from nuclear power plants that are supposedly operating perfectly. Well, but there's still some uh, radioactive particles that are um, emitted uh, in, invisibly into the atmosphere, um, and and what causes the uh, and and does it actually cause the stagnation of this life force in certain parts of the world where there are all these um, nuclear fission technologies? Those are the questions that the experiments brought up, and that should be. Um, of utmost importance to humankind, utmost importance. Um, the role of, uh, of course, forests and and all all living things and in interacting with with this life force and and uh, enhancing the health of the waters and the you know, I I too have met uh, Dr. Mazaro Emoto and and uh, understand that water is certainly so much more than than the um, limited scientific model of it today, or the accepted mainstream model of water. There's so much more going on that um, does involve something that you can call a life force. Mm-hmm. So the, the new science, uh, Joan, is, is really exciting. It's um, It's so much more in tune with what uh, those of us who love to hang out in nature uh, just sense and, and, and feel that, that, that there's uh, the invisible part 
of what's going on everywhere is actually more beautiful and powerful than than what we so far have been able to um, catalog with our senses and and that we at this point don't have scientific instruments to measure this background energy of of the universe but uh, i think that's i think that interaction with our technology is is coming because what we can uh, imagine is possible uh, given that the, that there is um, a lot of scientific experimental basis for believing that there really is this um, energy source that, that has previously been unrecognized. In the uh, past century, um, science has really gone into a much more mechanistic, just strictly materialistic, which means that only matter matters, um, worldview. And that's really an anomaly in the whole history of uh, uh-huh. humankind. Uh-huh. As, it, as yeah, anybody who's uh, studied ancient uh, understandings and uh, the Vedic uh, science and uh, and just uh, anyone nowadays who, who does tune into nature at a um, more powerful level, than just what you're measuring on on uh, weighing scales or some other measuring instrument. Yeah, there's a. I don't. Yes, it does. There's. I don't know if it's brand new, but a less conventional theory of the universe that it's really a plasma universe, meaning that everything is ionized gas. So we really have a sea of electrons, um, you know, these charged particles. And that's really what makes up everything, and that makes sense because then everything, of course, we know everything's energy. But if you can harness that and harness it in a way uh, that you can, without uh, putting a lot of energy in, get energy back out, and you've got your energy generators then. That's it, and and uh, I really uh, think that the electric universe uh, theories and experiments make a lot of sense. So that's why um, some of you know there's a whole variety of categories of non-conventional energy technologies, and and plasma-based is one of them. Um, but just as you were saying about plasma, um, what can happen in a plasma? Um, it seems to just be more sensitive or reactive to um, influences that um, you don't find in in, in other states of, of matter. Um, in, in fact, even more reactive to our own presence, our own uh, our own biofields, um, which is another topic. But it it is true that there is uh, a crossover, a lot of crossover between the alternative healing communities' understandings and and uh, and the new energy field, um, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe we're just all looking at at uh, different parts, uh, different manifestations of the of the same background substance. You know, it's just like yeah. um, that old uh, story of the um, sightless people and the elephant. The you know called the blind man and the elephant story. 
where um, each of them is describing a different part of the elephant and insisting that that's what an elephant is, the one who's grabbing onto the uh, trunk. So it's the elephant's a rope, or the one that's grabbing around, put their arms around a leg. Oh, no, it's a, it's a, a trunk, uh, like a tree trunk, or the one who grabs the, the tail. Oh, no, it's, it's a really skinny little rope, or, or somebody who uh, when just feeling uh, the underbelly of the elephant has an entirely different description. So um, we are still um, fairly blind as to what it is we're dealing with with this uh, ether or um, universal energy, as we call it in, in our book, Hidden Energy. Um, there's just a lot that remains, so much that remains to be learned. So I can't give the definitive uh definition because uh, my degree is in sociology and I'm a journalist and I uh, very carefully uh, relate uh, what the um, leading edge scientists have to say but uh, I wouldn't be teaching a course myself on it. Uh, I'm a, a chronicler uh, of, of uh, what's going on in this field. Uh, but yet uh, having spent so many years uh, around the experiments and and uh, and listening to the scientists talk um i i really do have a sense of this new science that i know it's it's a reality and i know that um humankind could be going in a much more peaceful and uh cooperative collaborative way rather than being divided by uh oil wars and, and uh, feeling that we need to um, protect our interests in, in a patch of desert in the other side of the world, um, it's totally unnecessary. It's, uh, it's like we are really blind right now in, in uh, we as a society and species, except, you know, there are the people who... Um, scientists who had the courage to to investigate where others wouldn't go and and say look hey, look over here uh, there's an abundance of clean energy uh, and it's not that difficult to uh, harness this that uh, we have uh, the proof of prototype inventions all we have to do is put some resources into uh, engineering them into products that um, past the underwriter, underwriter's laboratory testing and, and uh, are handy for people to use. And and, uh, and certainly there's no need to um, be involved in, in polluting the earth in any part of the life cycle of these systems that they uh, are describing as possible. And uh, I know, uh, you know, I, I know somebody who's, already uh, partially powering their um, home with uh, and, and working on uh, getting that into um, 100% clean energy powering their home. Um, and, and I've seen the, the working prototypes, and uh, I rely on the people who are expert in testing to tell me what I'm seeing. I, I don't, uh, I, I know I don't allow myself to be... Um, pulled in anymore by uh, by someone's story, as, as I was in the beginning when 
I first met an inventor, and um, really, um, he was on on the right track, but he was uh, exaggerating what he had. So it was all it was all a good education, uh, and he, his enthusiasm for magnetism uh, it was really foundational to my understanding. So the clean energy you're talking you're talking about is more than just what a lot of people know about, like wind or solar energy. You're talking about other forms of energy, correct? Yes, um, wind and solar are are great, and actually, uh, some of the super efficient motors and generators that the in- inventors have uh, come up with will enhance the wind industry. But um, what I'm talking about are uh, devices and systems that work whether whether or not the sun is shining and the wind is blowing because they are tapping into a previously unrecognized source of energy. Um, Not everybody in our book um, is talking about the um, universal energy. Some of them really pride themselves, and and they do too, um, on explaining what they have, what they're doing in terms that um, are conventional, like the super efficient uh, motor generators, uh, um, like like the work of uh, Paul Babcock, for example, an inventor who uh, says it's just a matter of, of uh, you know going from complicated mathematics to a, an algebra that explains it in in matter of uh, super fast electronic switching, which we now have available and didn't have decades ago, to to take advantage of the materials that um, can create a motor that doesn't have the limitations of, of um, th- that have always been said are just go along with building a motor uh, that you when you're or generator when you're taking out electricity, then you're going to have the the back electric force, and that was always true with when you built them conventionally. But when you build with a different geometry to avoid that problem, um, then you have different results. And this is this is why uh, what they're doing is revolutionary because uh, they're not building things just improvements on what has gone before but rather let's let's come at this in a in a in a different way um and there's also um coming at the um what to do with with um breaking up water into hydrogen and oxygen there it really is impossible to have um just with standard electrolysis to have an, an engine run on water because it just takes more power to um, break up the water into hydrogen and oxygen than than uh, than you're going to get out in powering the motor. But um, we we write about in the, in hidden energy. We write about, for example, um, an inventor in Florida who is running engines on water, but it's not electrolysis at all. It's instead um, micro uh, ball lightning, (laughs) 
ball lightning huh. on a micro scale, you know, implosions that are happening that are mm-hmm. as uh, he doesn't pretend to have the theory, but um, there's enough clues there that has given a longtime um, theorist, uh, Maury King, the uh, confidence that what he's doing is actually uh, at at the point of those implosions is is pulling in the background energy of the universe, and that accounts for the more power output than than the apparent input is because the uh, there's some input that is invisible. That's why they say that these systems can um, do what they say they're doing, which is more power out than the input, which on the surface it's said to violate the laws of physics, but they are operating in an open system rather than the closed systems of the standard Mm -hmm. motor generators where you know exactly how much fuel goes in and you can measure exactly the input and exactly the output. But if at some point in the system uh, the background energy, the universal energy, flows in through uh, either permanent magnets uh, um, used in an innovative way uh, and or um, other uh, means that, that they build in in the geometry of, of their um, systems. Uh, if so if, if that power flows in and can't be measured, then that's, that accounts for uh, the mystery, the anomalies. Uh, it's not uh, it's not the old discredited perpetual motion inventor that we're talking about. Um, I don't. I haven't been writing about uh, someone um, building building a Rube Goldberg <laughs> contraption and, and saying, "Look, you know, I, I've uh, violated the laws of physics and tricked uh, tricked it." Uh, but rather, these these people have learned from each other. Uh, the internet has made a big difference in the sharing of knowledge. Internationally, I mean, you know, there's lots of uh, misinformation out there and misguided uh, videos put on YouTube, but there's also been enough sharing of solid information and and conferences at which really practical information is shared. So this is why things are are different today, why uh, we are in, in a position to to turn to the non-conventional energy technologies and, and for society to put resources into it and, and uh, change over peacefully to a clean energy economy. Mm-hmm. We, you mentioned the term... Benefit. I'm sorry. Pardon? Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Joan. I'm sorry I talked over you. Uh, you mentioned the term operating over unity inventions. Is that part of what you've been talking about? Yes, just that term over unity um, means more power output than than the operator put in. It doesn't mean more power output than went into it. But, uh, for example, uh, magnetic motor generator, the test engineers come along and, and uh, measure what the uh, operators put in but yet it is putting out more electric, electrical power than um, than they can account for, well, then that would 
you know, if if the test engineer looks all the way through and there's no hidden batteries, there's no way that they could have been tricked. It's 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 um, the inventors being totally transparent and and uh, showing exactly what's going on in, inside. Um, it means that there is some input of energy from the universal energy, which uh, creates this over unity. Uh, a more respectable term is coefficient of performance, and that's the terminology mm-hmm. that's used by air conditioning uh, engineers uh, to to show how uh, how a heat pump, for example, can um, put out more um, warming your house power than uh, than a little bit of electricity that goes in to run it, or or your refrigerator. The amount of work that's done in the refrigerator in cooling your your food um, is not necessarily correlated with the amount of electricity it took to run it. So how do these magnetic generators work? Okay, the uh, there's a lot to be learned about um, magnets and magnetism and what's going on. Um, but how do they work? <laughs> I think I would I would have to uh, be able to describe just one certain invention. And, and uh, uh, well, for example, um, there's um, a, a device called the Earth Engine, which um, uses magnets that are. Anisotropic, I'm not sure if I pronounced that word correctly, but what it means is that the, its properties are different uh, depending on the direction uh, that the uh, motion is going or, or coming from. And um, and that's a, a concept that's been uh, around for, for a while. And, and uh, um, John Bedini, uh, the late John Bedini, is an inventor who had uh, built a, a large built a flywheel sort of uh, invention that um, it used the magnets in, in an innovative way. And then uh, a larger version of his invention um, really blew away a, a, a conference back in the 1980s. But um, those, those weren't as well documented, but now there's um, some people, uh, and I haven't... Uh, seen this particular one, but it's an example. It's called the Earth Engine. I believe it's being built in Scottsdale, Arizona, and, and it, it uses uh, this uh, type of, of magnets that have different properties depending on the different direction. So basically what how the magnetic uh, motor generators work is they, that they are built in such a way that they um, don't openly uh, go head on against uh, the laws of physics, but rather get around this um, what's called Lenz's law, the uh, back electromotive force, by uh, just being built in a way that that avoids it. Um, and that, that's that's the best ex- explanation I can give over radio. <laughs> um, and and there's magnets that um, self resonate, and now I'm I'm. Thinking and with uh, the use of magnets in solid-state devices, <coughs> which um, 
can put out more um, power than the little bit of electricity that it takes to get them started. Um, and they rely on getting um, something going called motional magnetic fields. Certain materials may be uh, conditioning barium ferrite magnets to self-resonate when, when they're hit with specific frequencies. Um, so what a solid-state device is, is just um, something that apparently no, no parts are moving. You know, you don't see any moving parts, but it's actually going on at a molecular level. You know, there's no rotor or wheel going around and no gears and pulleys and belts and pistons and no fans or bearings. Uh, it, it just looks like an electronic circuit board. Um, but what's going on is uh, is some use of the principle of resonance and um, and to be able to take the scattered uh, randomly um, moving background energy and sort it into something that moves in one direction and uh, then becomes a force, uh, electric force. So, um, you know, the basis of it all is, is uh, you know, pretty basic to um, childhood physics. That when, whenever a magnetic field is moving, electricity is generated. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, it's, I like uh, the thought of uh, having something in my house that's just sitting there and nothing is is uh, apparently moving, and no road, no rotor going around, so no noise. But uh, rather, it's something co- is going on that uh, you you've started with these special magnets that can uh, create emotional electric fields or mo- emotional magnetic fields. I mean, and uh, and be able to power something. I so far haven't seen a solid-state device that does any more than, than prove the principle that it's possible. And, 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 but but there, uh, so far I've just seen the one in, ones that in a, in a small, small way can uh, demonstrate the principle, but that aren't really running any appliances. However, um, there was um, an inventor, Floyd Sweet, who um, unfortunately took all his secrets to the grave, but he he had worked uh, for many years with General Electric. He was really top in his field of knowing uh, about working with magnetics, and uh, he did um, build a device that was was uh, witnessed by witnessed by a scientist, and uh, he claimed uh, that the output to in, input ratios were something like a million to one, but I know that uh, they were at least 500 to one um, based on the mm-hmm. uh, wow. scientists that, that visited them. So they just, they just um, taking advantage of uh, some built-in instability within uh, maybe the barium atoms. Um, and then um, it didn't end with the death of Floyd Sweet because um, a man named Arthur Manilis in more recent years, um, back east in the U.S., did run a car on uh, that type of, of device. And uh, before his, before uh, Arthur Mellis' death, um, one of the people that visited him was uh, Dr. Brian Hearn, who um, was able to be in on a test drive and, and uh, measure the, the uh what was going on, battery capacity increased 
while they went on the drive for 25 miles uh, rather than decreased. And uh, it, it really, really, really mystified uh, uh, Dr. Ahern and, and uh, probably somebody with a little bit less courage than him would have run in the other direction rather than risk his... Um, I mean, he has, you know, he's a very highly credentialed scientist, <laughs> but he's one of the, uh, well, I consider the heroes who, and heroines who st- stay around and investigate. And uh, because he happens to be a an expert on um, what happens with uh, ferrite particles, which is what magnets are made of in mm-hmm. a certain range, the nano range, a particle size, um, he has a theory about um, where magnetic vortices arise like uh, miniature whirlwinds. So he, he just concludes that, that at that range of particle size, the particles op- operate by a different set of rules. Um, and that case is, is not closed, even though uh, Arthur Manelis died suddenly just before he was going to show everything of the insides of, of uh, his invention to Dr. Ahern. But uh, there are others who are, you know, carrying on the research to, to find out how he did what he did. He, he, uh, he uh, Arthur Manelis didn't leave a circuit diagram or notes about how to operate, but he was intending to reveal everything. And then he had a a brain aneurysm and and uh, never recovered and died, but um, that knowledge is is continuing on, and there are others in other parts of the world who um, who have have nailed it and have uh, have something that's working, and it, then it's a matter of of. Uh, how to bring that out to the public in a way that's um, safe for the inventor and um, ethical. Um, my co-author Susan Manimich is 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 really um, on, on the leading edge of, of making sure that that happens. Uh, she's uh, started a, a, along with an engineer from the UK, a foundation to focus on that aspect. Of um, bringing this out in a in a matter that uh, is win-win for everyone, um, not just somebody's going to buy this up and and there are a lot of people are going or a certain number of people are going to make big fortunes, but rather um, let's let's do this wisely. This is this is what this is what the general public uh, needs to get in on the discussion of and, and decision makers and politicians and economists and um, the best thinkers in our society need to be talking about how do we make this shift to the energy abundance in a way that uh, benefits all life. Mm-hmm. These, so it's really a grassroots. Are, yes. Mm-hmm. Effort. Mm-hmm. And if it's uh, not. Uh, coming next week or anytime soon from um, vested interests or or even um, even academic institutions that are funded by vested interests, then um, then the public has to create uh, a level of let's 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 
educate ourselves and um, and demand that that we have a, a peaceful changeover. That we have um, a changeover that's going to create jobs for everyone that that's able to work. Um, a changeover that um, is not going to be used for um, further leveling of, of ecosystems, but but rather restoring ecosystems. You know, you could restore waterways, clean up waterways with abundant energy. You could do, you could recycle materials that right now aren't really um, economically feasible to recycle because they're so energy intensive, um, takes so much electricity to say melt them down. Um, there's all sorts of um, planet restoration projects that can go on with uh, more abundance. And it's so important that it uh, not be corporatized or militized, is my, in my point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for each of us to educate ourselves and to start to demand these things from uh, the government, from our corporations, to make the change. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, it's an interesting time when um, people are seeing urgency for change, ur- urgent need for change, uh, but there, there's just so much information that they need to have uh, to not despair about the future, but rather say, oh, yes, it is possible. Because, of course, uh, vested interest, for example, the oil industry, it's in, in um, my province of British Columbia where I live, it's and in Alberta next door particularly, it's the, the, um, the message is that we have to choose between the environment and jobs. And that's not true at all, not at all. Uh, and, and unfortunately, that, that's kind of a national message, even on our, our national radio, the, the, all the doubt and fear that's planted uh, by the people that are interviewed uh, and saying, well, we, you know, we can't, we have to have our oil pipelines. We, you know, we... Uh, have to, well, of course we have to provide jobs to people, and of course we have to take care of the people who, uh, whose um, work will be uh, different in the future, who um, won't be working in an oil patch, and uh, and then they need training. And uh, but a, but a society that doesn't have to import foreign oil, uh, build pipelines, build nuclear power plants. Do all those expensive things, fight fight oil wars, keep a um, a huge huge military presence where uh, wherever oil is being transported or or drilled. Uh, that society can afford to do things right, to do right by people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to mention all the spent fuel well uh, rods that we don't know what to do with anymore from the. Uh... Yeah, yeah, nuclear power plants. Yeah, you asked what what got me started, you know, and I just um, talk about the very basis of my love of nature. But the things that that keep me going on um, such a strange journey uh, by other people's standards is 
Well, for one thing, the the oil spill on on, on my birthplace, uh, the waters of Prince William Sound, when the Exxon Valdez spilled its guts mm-hmm. of oil, uh, and the uh, Gulf of Alaska, well, Prince William Sound particularly, just has has never totally recovered. The herring fishery never totally recovered. That was, was so. I had you know a start. Of, it was such pristine waters nearby, and um, and then there's also what the uh, nuclear power experiments or, or, or nuclear bomb making too uh, that did in my own family. Um, we lived on a farm in northern Idaho, and at some time, uh, maybe 1950s, Hanford Nuclear Reservation released a cloud of radioactive particles. Uh, invisible to everybody, of course, that drifted across the state of Western, across North Idaho and up into Canada. And uh, for decades, people didn't know about what had happened. But uh, eventually, some people that call themselves downwinders because of their health problems that resulted um, started investigating and found out about that release that was never uh, announced to the public. And in my own family, uh, at that t- at the time that that would have happened, my um, younger sister was a baby, and uh, she and my mother were drinking a lot of milk. The cows were eating the grass that the radioactive particles fell on, and, uh, and both my sister and my mother uh, have had cancer and thyroid problems, and uh, and my mother passed away from cancer, but. Um, uh, you know, in general, uh, the radiating technologies just repel me because I know that that there are alternatives uh, that just aren't being explored. Um, vested interests become so dependent on on having continuation of their industry that uh, people don't get the information about the realities. <laughs> Yeah. That's my soapbox. <laughs> so sorry to hear about your mother. And, you know, when things happen like that to us, we really do take it to heart and it motivates us to make change. And I, this is one of the reasons I started the radio show to get information out there of what's happening right now and that we can change and we need to come together. And information is power. So, uh, you're getting a lot of power out there. I, I, I listened <laughs> to a couple of your shows, and, and I um, particularly resonated with the one about water. Um, but, but uh, you know, all the topics that you're covering uh, relate to what's going on in our times when uh, things are and will be changing drastically. Very and, rapidly. Um, we need to be ready. <laughs> Yes, yes, oh, yes. People will need uh, portable energy generators. Um, they will, they will, they will need to be able to um, have heat and and uh, you know the basics of life mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. situations where they're cut off from the, the aging electric power grid, which is not really necessary either. <laughs> It, you right, know, it's, it's right. not necessary yeah. for Nikola society. Tesla proved that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, putting money it, into it's really the aging market. 
Um, I was talking over you. What did you say, Joan? I was just saying it's really archaic when you think about it, because if we if we can tap into the energy of where uh, that surrounds us, that is us, why do we need to go outside of us to bring any power? Exactly. Oh, that's a, a metaphor too, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why do we have to go outside of us? Outside of ourselves. Yes, exactly. I meant it that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. there are these whole uh, aspects. Um, you know, you can you can get into um, the settler uh, realms. The the consciousness uh, whole consciousness topic is is uh, something that um, my co-author and I are, are just deeply interested in, and um, how how humankind uh, being immersed in this in this field of universal energy can interact with it uh, and uh, so some of the theorists that that we write about do do get into um, the deeper esoteric parts but still try to keep our book uh, very readable to the general public um, but just touch on the fact that um, that there are some some really higher credentialed scientists who uh, acknowledge that that there's a lot more going on than the material, materialistic, mechanistic, um, scientific model acknowledges. And uh, again, it's it presents a, a, a possible, beautiful, um, the possibilities for humankind are are not. We don't have to have the Mad Max future at all. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. an alternative. You know, we're going to we're going to go through challenges definitely. Uh, uh, this time of of uh, change and turmoil is not going to just miraculously disappear. But uh, the more we understand about um, what we are and uh, this background energy, which which some of the theorists uh, point to a a consciousness, a, a living aspect to this background energy. Wow. <laughs> and there, there are some really interesting horizons. Yes, and, and it's it's so timely. And it's, it is tied to the consciousness. And as we raise our consciousness, we see that when we work in harmony with nature and with what is, and we truly realize the truth of who we are and our energetic makeup and the energetic makeup of the universe, then it's, it's easy. It's simple, even though it's, we've made it so complicated. Um, and, and I, and now we're going backwards, you know, so now we got to rewind the clock. (laughs) And that's, that's what takes the time. It, it does. It's a whole whole uh, re-education. I'm sure that there will be people who resist uh, a different paradigm mm-hmm. oh, because yeah. they're so so immersed. I mean, I'm resisted to the end of their lives because they're so immersed in being experts in the old paradigm, or or if not experts, then just being knowledgeable. You know, like a lot of people who um, read read science books and and uh, aren't necessarily. Financial sciences themselves, but pride themselves on their knowledge of science, 
even even those people will find it hard to say, oh well, I guess I missed something there too. Um, that's uh, that's not easy to swallow. Mm-hmm. If they look at the at the benefits to um, looking through a different lens at the universe, um, some of them well, will change. Mm-hmm. We're definitely entering a time of great change, and I've had shows about it. And um, Dr. Paul LaViolette <laughs> talks about the galactic super wave. I'm going to talk about it actually this Saturday in a talk I'm giving. But, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention, and what's coming, you know, is really going to necessitate these alternative energy sources to be put to use. And um, I think your book is very timely. It's very needed. Uh, And I'm very excited about it. I'm excited about this. Um, The more information we put out there, the fact that we know that these cycles are coming and have approximate time frames, I think really empowers us that we can then, you know, okay, what can we do? How can we mitigate not only on, a physical energetic level, but also on a spiritual level, you know, in going into our power and what powers do we have when we come together in unity. And and that's really what this, this show is about. I wanted to ask you about the Avalon Alliance. What is that? Okay. Um, that's a, an organization based here in, in Kelowna that uh, has a, a, um, platform of having figured out uh, all sorts of aspects of how uh, eco-projects, eco-villages can proceed forward. Uh, it goes beyond um, just other advice that, that's available out there to such projects, and it goes beyond standards like, you know, the LEED standard for house building uh, or, or buildings, which are all good, but it goes beyond in uh, a holistic understanding. So that's why I enjoy being associated with uh, Avalon is because it's a, a mixture of uh, uh, people who are uh, down-to-earth practical, uh, like the, the founder whose uh, um, background is a regional planner and, and knows how to work in bureaucracies, but also is, is aware of uh, non-conventional uh, alternatives and went to the energy conference I went to this summer with me and and there's also on the management team a former a woman who is the former mayor of, of our city Kelowna and uh, someone from the indigenous community just um, people who are uh, new paradigm thinkers and so uh, that they all have a website up uh, probably I would say later this month because it's under construction will be avalonalliance.org um, and, and so there, anybody interested can find out more about them there um, I'm, so I wonder what I could bring well it's because they are really interested in, in the, the new energy uh, I can, I can uh, be a liaison there for that part uh, and and I'll just be part time because this uh, my other passion takes um, probably will go on for the rest of my life too is uh, keeping in touch with with the inventors and what's going on in that community. It's uh, it's 
it's definitely my passion. And there's so much to be said, so much to to uh, write about. We'll, uh, yeah, I'm hope to to be better about uh, updating uh, hiddenenergy.org, our books website, so that uh, we can have news items on there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, and it's and it's uh, it's fun because it's it's uh, not not just spreading the the gloom and doom news, but um, spreading the well. Um, there are solutions. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about your book? Okay, <clears throat> hidden en- <coughs> excuse me, hidden hidden energy. Oh. I have a little problem here. I just have to have to drink some water here. <coughs> okay, it's it's meant for the general public, um, and and my um, interest in, in telling the stories of inventors um, gets full reign in there, um, as does um, Susan's interest in and uh, which I share in the um, important um, ethical aspects and, and the uh, um, what she calls moral technology, which, which was a term that Rudolf, Rudolf Steiner used. Um, so what Paula Vaila <laughs> said about our book was that it kick-starts a public dialogue. Um, and he said, come learn about an energy revolution that will transform the world. Um, so it's it's in, in it's a primer, uh, you know, a, a everybody's guide to uh, the clean energy revolution. Um, but it goes beyond that to um, talk about the the different aspects that the the um, public and people in the spiritual uh, thought community, um, all sorts of backgrounds, people from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, can find. Some, something that they need to know about what's possible for our future. Um, it's um, also been called a primer for the New Energy Movement. Susan will be um, very active in that because she's the president of the New Energy Movement. Um, so it's, it's giving the uh, information that... Um, the public needs to have about this unlimited sea of energy everywhere in the universe. Uh, We don't pretend to be the uh, theorists about it, but we do give a lot of, you know, there's hundreds of footnotes and uh, a lot of uh, places where people can look up a more technical part of things. We just try to to make the the technical part really um, understandable for the general public. That's great. What is this new energy movement you are talking about? Um, this is a, a focused on public education. Um, new energy movement in the U.S. was founded by Dr. Brian O'Leary in the early 2000s. Uh, he was in the Apollo astronaut program and a, and a physicist who taught at uh, the Ivy League universities and and became a dissident scientist when he saw anomalies that weren't being explained, and and you know became interested in things like the consciousness connection, and um, and was exposed to in meeting some of the uh, inventors 
uh, that were active in that time. And then um, he passed the baton on to uh, Joel Garbin, uh, an industrial scientist in Portland, Oregon, who was the president for about 10 years. And uh, Joel's work kept him quite busy, but before uh, before he got that busy in his, in his job, he he uh, organized just a, a really interesting conference at Portland State and, and uh, uh, Reed College in Portland uh, for the general public. So he uh, he 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 knew uh, the importance of, of educating people about um, the possibilities for an energy technology revolution. And uh, then uh, Joel passed the uh, leadership on to Susan Manowich, my co-author, and she, um, her background is in leadership consulting and emotional intelligence and resonant technologies and uh, human dynamics, so um, he knew that it was in good hands with her. Uh, She has um, gotten together a really excellent board of directors, and and that Rejuvenated New Energy Movement is, is uh, I think the, the new website is launched now. Um, and that website would be New Energy Movement, is it a .org or? I believe it is. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm pretty sure, newenergymovement.org. Um, she will be uh, MC at, at the Global Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference in the Netherlands in November and, and that's a, a group with the, the same aims of, of getting the information out to the general public. And, and that group started in, in Europe, uh, I think, about 2012. Uh, I was at their first conference. So this is not just a um, North American phenomenon. This is international. This is this is the global citizens mm-hmm. becoming aware of of uh, possibilities that have been hidden from uh, mainstream view. You know, you get glimpses, um, like that earth engine that I mentioned that uh, they're building in, in Arizona. It was mentioned in, I believe, the Wall Street Journal, um, the inventor Dennis Stanzik and, and his work, and of course mentioned in the uh, context of there's lots of questions that haven't been answered yet. Um, so that when the, I know that the times are changing when when we actually are having having something that's on the market. And again, I, I can't uh, say that I'm endorsing the Earth Engine because the people that I uh, look to for uh, vetting these technologies haven't so far uh, haven't yet uh, visited and. Uh, and and seen that in person, but uh, I have had some pretty good reports about the possibilities. Wonderful. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us, Jean, before we end the show? Um, Well, I'd I'd like to say that I, I went on and on about the technologies, but really um, that's just because there's so much to bring people up to speed on about what are what are you talking about with with this new energy what 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 
let's picture what it, some of these technologies are, you know, magnet motors, solid-state devices, uh, water as fuel. Um, but the important part, in in our opinion, uh, Susan Manowich and I, is the part of how it how it uh, affects people and how how it's going to be brought out. Uh, it it's it's not going to be buried because the um, military uh, interests have already been investigating and and uh, you know you hear stories about uh, technologies that have been de- developed by the black budgets. Uh, we don't have the um, in 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 that group or not don't have a, a foot in that door to be able to, to check out the facts of that matter. But it is um, a, a fact that's in our our faces that uh, people from all sorts of backgrounds are coming to the conferences about uh, the non-conventional energy technologies, and it's it's obvious that there's um, a kind of a race to uh, to be the one who's going to bring this out to the public and announce uh, an invention and kind of be uh, the most important uh, in the world. And our our point of view is that it's just, this is collaborative. It's it's not let's just look to one person to be our savior or or, or but rather um, people. There are people in in. Uh, different parts of the world and, and different sectors that are working on this. And the more collaboration, the better. And um, and getting the decision makers in all sorts of fields involved in discussing the implications of this really dramatic uh, energy revolution. And will it, who will benefit from it? Uh, will it be grabbed up by uh, corporate interests and in, in, who buy up in patents and, and uh, rights and then, uh, you know, n- won't let other people just build their own? Or um, will it be brought out in, in a way that's just uh, and fair to all sectors of society? Will it be used to um, clean up the environment? Will the, will the new technologies, the powerful energy technologies be used to um, help get rid of uh, pollution in rivers and uh, make sure that no more no more pipelines are built to spill into rivers. You know, it's just huge questions about uh, changes in, in point of view and uh, changes in, in uh, corporate versus uh, uh, individual um, rights. Um, there, there's just so much to be discussed, and I think uh, as long as as we've given corporations personhood, which is which is really obscene, because uh, a corporation, by its very definition, is set up to just maximize profits for its chair, shareholders, which doesn't make them evil. It just makes them not really what I would call a person. Uh, this is. This is not about um, having some corporation which has all the um, high-tech, uh, artificial intelligence, um, intelligence gathering, data gathering um, c- capability uh, to be 
ruling the world in, in a different way. It's it's about empowerment for ordinary people to improve their lives. And uh, it's, it's just by definition, you know, that the term free energy is by definition that it should be freely available to people. Yes. Uh, so, so anyway, those are the sorts of questions that uh, that mm-hmm. we hope that people will start uh, discussing. It would definitely revolutionize the world. Mm-hmm. And totally like uh, Elizabeth Rauscher said, uh, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Rauscher also gave us an endorsement for our book uh, before she left this world, and she said, uh, incorporating the spiritual nature of reality is extremely important. So she uh, she was pleased that that uh, that that is in the book. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Jane, for being on the show today. Uh, Jean, uh, for being on the show today, I really enjoyed it. This is information that is absolutely critical. And uh, again, her book, Hidden Energy: Tesla Inspired Inventors in a Mindful Path to Energy Abundance can be purchased at hiddenenergy.org or you can go to Amazon. It'll be up there next month and available to you. Thank you so much again, Jean, for joining us. And speaking of spiritual things and spirituality, next week's show, we're going to switch gears a little bit. And Ann Elbers, who is a popular author and spiritual instructor and angel communicator and modern mystic will be on to share about how the earth needs your love. So please join us next week for that. Thank you again, Jean. And thank you everyone for listening today. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and much love. To everyone. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.